For episode five, I'm meeting with Thomas Collett, director of 3D printing materials and marketing at Levos Group, to learn about compounding as a means of producing 3D printing materials that meet exacting functional requirements. That area of polymers, plastics, is always very exciting because there are all kinds of applications in all industries you may know. And so there's always new challenges, new parts, and new materials need to be developed. And it always has been very exciting. And now with uh, 3D printing, additive manufacturing, it's called new technology because it's still evolving. It's still even more interesting and exciting. Levos Group is a leading material developer and global manufacturer of customized polymers with 125 years of innovation in chemical and mineral specialties. For the past nine years, they have pursued 3D printing, offering high-performance materials for SLS and FFF with a broad portfolio and engineering support. Levos Group is an expert in understanding how to use functional additives to achieve end-use parts that meet specific performance needs through materials reinforced with carbon fiber, glass sphere, ceramic, and more. Thomas will guide us through the Levos Group's 3D printing material portfolio, providing detail about their properties and showing how end-users can better understand material requirements and what can be achieved in specific compounds and formulations. I'm Matt Griffin, and this is Talking Additive, a 3D printing podcast made possible by Ultimaker. On Talking Additive, we sit down with business innovators and allies to discuss the impact of adopting additive manufacturing. How does adopting additive manufacturing benefit a business today and what will be possible in the future? Welcome to our fifth episode for the Talking Additive podcast. Talking Additive launches new episodes on Tuesdays every two weeks. Since 2011, Ultimaker has built an open and easy-to-use solution of 3D printers, software, and materials that enable professional designers and engineers to innovate every day. Its global team of over 400 employees work together to accelerate the world's transition to digital distribution and local manufacturing. My name is Thomas Collett. I'm heading 3D printing materials and marketing at Lehman & Voss. Thomas is a veteran of the plastics industry who has for nearly a decade been focusing his attention on the additive space. The Levos Group has a strong reputation for their custom compounding for high-performance injection molding and 3D printing materials, and their pre-formulated composite materials for FFF 3D printing featured in the Ultimaker Material Marketplace have been popular among engineers and designers. Hello. Hello, Thomas. It's uh, Matt from Ultimaker. Yes. Hey. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Good. Are you able to hear me? I had been greatly looking forward to meet with him in person at AMUG in Chicago this past March to talk about compounding, Levos Group's approach to materials development and selection, and insights into the direction of the field. And while an in-person meeting will now have to be postponed for the reopening of international travel, it was a pleasure to meet with him at length over the phone from his home in Germany. Well, I personally know 3D printing for about 35 years already. During my time at university, I came across aerodisography, um, which was at this time the only 3D printing technology available. This was to make prototypes. Most of my business life, I was involved in extrusion and injection molding technology for making materials, polymers into parts. I seriously got involved into 3D printing in 2012 when we acquired a small company that was already specialized in the development of 3D printing materials. Uh, and we started with uh, polymer powders for laser sintering. Um, our first 3D printing material was uh, Lubusin TPU, a soft polymer and the first application was a midsole for a sport shoe. On Talking Additive, we have dedicated a number of the episodes in Season 1 and 2 to featuring partners from our Material Alliance program. These experts play a primary role these days in helping us to understand what is possible for additive manufacturing, and FFF in specific, taking our understanding beyond what is typically within the scope of being an OEM hardware tool developer. We deeply value this deep bench who are able to leverage expertise across the history of polymers and modern fabrication materials. Yeah, we were founded in 1894, so now this year 126 years old, working with polymers now for more than 40 years now. 
3D printing materials, we are in that area for nine years already. So our Lubocom 3F, that's for the FFF technology, with that product line, we, we just started in 2017. So now that's three years. Sounds not very long, but in the 3D printing world, one year is like uh, seven years in the normal life, I would say. So... <laughs> So this is already some history here and additive manufacturing is one of our strategic areas. How would you describe the field in which your company works? Levos is a leader in chemical and mineral specialties. So we are specialized in customized solutions. So not a big bulk business, no huge quantities in normal cases, but really specialized customized products. So within the polymer plastics industry, we are really a niche manufacturer. So we are concentrating on doing customized materials. So if you can't find a material on the market which fits your needs, we are there to help you and to develop the specific material. In kinds of 3D printing materials, what we did is we developed materials because we already knew a lot of the needs the market had. So we developed materials which are now ready, available. You could call that standard materials, but we are still prepared and open for customized solutions for anything which will come in the future. Within the company, there's one business unit which is involved in additive manufacturing as we are a global organization in that business unit, we're having production sites in Europe, in Asia, and in the U.S., we are working around the globe on that topic with all the colleagues involved in sales, in product development, in business development. So this is a global approach from our side, and this is something where we are really concentrating in the meantime. We regard additive manufacturing still as an emerging technology and market, especially in regards to serial high-performance applications. How did working with that relate to injection molding and other types of materials that you were experienced with before that? We have had a lot of experience with injection molding, extrusion, and so with the 3D printing materials, at the beginning it seemed completely different. But if you look into the details, you see at the end, it's also just melting a polymer and getting it into a certain shape. It's just a different way to do it. We are focusing on two technology, which is the powder bed fusion or SLS and the FFF, so extrusion-based uh, technologies. And that's where we are, and that's where we fit with our know-how in thermoplastic polymers, so meltable polymers, which can be extruded or melted at the end, and then used to make parts. We are not in liquid resins, not in SLA, and metal is not our business, so that's where we are. How much attention did you pay to FFF solutions in those early days? To be very honest, at the beginning, we didn't consider FFF uh, technology or an area where we should be active because we concentrated on powders for laser sintering. But uh, after some years, we saw that the technology developed and new printers and open platforms offered serious possibilities for part production. The FFF is a very important technology to us. Our product line, which is called Luvocom 3F now, is dedicated to this specifically. And additionally to our material developments, we partner very closely with machine manufacturers like Ultimaker, software companies and uh, processors. We see this cooperation as a must to ensure a complete technology package for the customers. At Levos, we do have more than 40 years experience with the development of customized polymers. Once we started our Lubocom 3F product line for the extrusion-based 3D printing processes. We used our know-how and were able to develop within one year more than 10 materials. Launching 10 materials in one year, that is quite a pace. Could you talk a little bit about what it takes as far as the team and the focus of the company to be able to achieve that? What you need is a dedicated team who also know a lot about materials, the market, and the technology. 
So fortunately, we have a very experienced team here with also colleagues being here a long time in the company who can uh, provide input into the material development. Also, what you need is people who have that market experience, who know what the customers are looking for, what the customers uh, want. And so that is what we put together. Once we started, basically there was uh, material based on uh, PLA, on ABS. These are the most common used materials in FFF. But unfortunately, these are not very technical materials. That means they are not very temperature resistant. They are not very chemical resistant. They are not very strong materials. So uh, in the technical applications, what you need is uh, materials based on uh, high-performing technical polymers like polyamides, like uh, PET, like PPS, like PEAK. So we then decided on the roadmap for these products, and that's where we started to work on the first 10 materials. In the meantime, we have about 35 materials available already. And uh, for a company that's been around for over 120 years, what is the role of additive manufacturing within it? How important is additive to the whole? Looking back, as I said before, it was not really important to us. But in the meantime, it's one of our strategic areas where we want to grow and we are growing, fortunately. We see a lot of activity in the market. We see a lot of demand in the market. And we are talking with a lot of customers, a lot of people in the industry who tell us clearly it's in their focus as well. And we are working on projects together with them. And for these applications, we are developing the right materials. There is not really a new market. It's not because of additive manufacturing. There is now a completely different market. It's At the end, we talk about the same parts. So mechanical parts, gears and structural parts and housings and jigs and fixtures and all kinds. But it's now that there are more possibilities. We have more different opportunities because now we have more design freedom. We can change the design of a part which is better fitting into the application because the 3D printing technology is offering different ways to do that. So there is really something which is evolving and developing in some different areas and there are different ways to achieve uh, results. I think it's also important for our customers because if we continue to tell them additive manufacturing is very special and you're also telling them it's risky, that's an important point. Customers don't want to run risks. They want to be uh, on the safe side. They want to be sure that once they have a part, it's working. If it's not working, then there's a big issue. Once we know what we talk about, once we are sure that the material is working, that the material can fulfill the requirements, then also the customer will be happy. I think that is very important. We have focused on the serial applications of FF materials and to develop uh, materials which are capable to fulfill the requirements of the respective industries. Our materials are made to be able to match the uh, mechanical performance of injection molded parts. This is our benchmark and we were able to achieve this. We together with the additive manufacturing industry still have to work on establishing uh, the FFF as an accepted and reliable technology for serial production. Who are your customers and what are some of the verticals that are key to them? Um, as we sell uh, different products, we have the granules and we have filaments. So typically our customers are either companies making filaments or there are people having the direct extrusion technologies. Basically, we just sell uh, the granules because the granules are feeded into these direct extrusion machines. We sell our filament to everybody. So everybody wants to have our filament, he can buy it. That could be somebody at home printing a part for himself, or that could be a professional company doing serial parts for an automotive customer. 
a lot of people who come from prototyping now developing into the serial production or small series production. But also there are our traditional uh, customers like injection molding companies. So uh, there is a number of thousands of ten thousands of companies out there who are now either already using additive manufacturing or will use that technology in the future. I talked with Thomas at length about some of the customers and big brands who are currently either using their filaments or collaborating with Lavos Group to produce custom materials for their needs. And while Thomas couldn't share all the names of these footwear, automotive, and manufacturing customers on our show, he was able to talk at a high level about the kinds of parts that they are making and looking to make in the future. There are a lot of companies at the moment investigating production of parts and getting prepared to adapt 3D printing to their portfolio. And the parts they are considering is all the parts they are working on nowadays. So, And of course, there will be parts where it will be impossible to adapt additive manufacturing and there will be a lot of parts where it will be possible either by just using our material or just printing the part as it is or by modifying, changing the part, optimizing it for 3D printing, maybe not with the existing part but with the next generation of parts. Our materials are made, now we're talking about FFF and let's say the printers, they are made to be printed on all available machines. Of course, as there is a huge number of machines out there, we never can be 100% sure that uh, we have covered all the machines, uh, all the technologies, but we in our lab do have a lot of printers and we check our materials on all kinds of printers. And for sure with the Ultimakers, uh, we have done that in the details. So we have tested everything, parameters. So that's where we have all the parameters on the Cura, on the machine. So make sure that it, it runs. One of the topics that Thomas offered to share for the audiences of Talking Additive is an in-depth discussion of materials compounding and how it fits into the additive manufacturing materials ecology. Several of our listeners have reached out requesting more details about the 3D printing materials trade itself. What is a producer, a compounder, a converter, a processor, a distributor? There are a number of trade terms and roles that end users struggle to understand. We at Talking Additive think that introducing some of these behind-the-scenes trade terms will help those adopting additive manufacturing in their businesses better understand this field. The role of the compounder bridges between the chemical companies developing the processes to produce the polymers and the companies that convert and sell spools of filament. This role is particularly key in additive manufacturing because often what is being compounded into these formulations are functional elements that can radically extend the performance of the resulting filament. I found it really helpful to learn from Thomas more about this role and I hope you will agree. Can you help us to explain to our customers what is plastic compounding and how your company develops particular expertise in targeting those application solutions? Yes, I can. Compounding uh, is a term used in the uh, polymer processing industry. It's a technology to plant polymers with additives. So machines used for this are extruders. And extruders are machines with a heated uh, rotating screw that uh, basically melt polymers and mix it with the additives. Uh, the screw itself is confined in a barrel that has different zones that can be heated according to the resin properties. The extruded product, which is plastic strands, are then cooled and pushed into the granulator. The granulator breaks the strands into the desired pellet sizes. These pellets are then the product we sell. They either are used in direct extrusion, 3D printing, or for the production of filaments for filament printers. We are a compounder. We do is we basically modify polymers by adding components like reinforcing fibers uh, as glass or carbon fibers and functional additives uh, to achieve certain material properties. We started in the 1970s with compounding and since then developed uh, our own expertise. From the beginning, we focused on uh, customized high-performance materials. 
High performance materials uh, mean we talk mainly about technical applications. We are not in consumer applications, let's say food packaging or packaging for goods or toys or, or decorative things. It's technical parts. As an example, in automotive, if you open the hood of your car, you're looking inside to the engine and then you see a lot of functional parts. We have bearings, bushings, gears, housing, all kinds of things. And there you have certain requirements like uh, resistance to temperature, resistance to chemicals. And also customers, they have very specific needs regarding the material performance because there's always new developments and always new needs, uh, new legislation and so on. Materials need to become more light, they need to become more strong, uh, more resistant to temperature and chemicals. With all these requirements, taking them into consideration, we build the material according to the needs. Uh, how does a compounding process tune and tweak a collection of polymers and additives to achieve a target engineering property? Well, the compounding uh, process is the key for, let's say, having the right material properties. That's for sure. So that's our core business. This is our know-how. Taking all the ingredients like the polymers, the additives, the fibers and others is uh, key to everything. Starting with the requirements of the customers, we then develop the recipe and then we have to have the right machines means extruders in that case. These are the machines and mixing all these components. And what you have then is at the end, the finished material means the pellets. And these pellets then go into the filament production where you then have an endless filament, you then feed into the, the printer. So compounding is key to have the right materials available. How many people are involved in the process of developing material and uh, what role do they play? Yeah, let's say um, now comparing ourselves to the polymer industry, that is typically these are big chemical companies starting from gas or oil to create polymers. We don't do that. We as a compounder, we, uh, we use polymers as a base and we mix that. Developing a polymer, that takes long time and that takes a lot of people and also there's a lot of money involved to develop that. And I'm not talking about little money, I talk about millions of dollars or euros. That is something different. Compounding is where you have your machine, your compounder, and you are putting together the ingredients. Starting with a development means you have somebody involved who speaks with the customer, he then uh, gives the input for the requirements. Then we have our development team where we have people knowing about the materials, knowing about uh, the extrusion, uh, the compounding process. And what we involve is a team of maybe five people in total. We talk about small teams and we talk about short time. Typically what we can do, we develop a recipe within two weeks and we produce a material within normally three to six weeks means the customer, once there is a need for a new material, will have very quick a new material in his hands. Working with those base polymers and, and additives, tell me if this is true, that you can achieve a, a pretty big range of engineering properties beyond uh, just what you would expect from the base polymer. Yeah, what you can achieve is you can achieve different properties of polymers. So you can achieve higher strengths, higher stiffness. You can have materials that are wear resistant. So that's tribological applications for bearings, bushing. So material is not wearing. The material can be conductive, could be thermally conductive, could be electrically conductive. It could be chemical resistant. We could optimize surface appearance of parts. If you print a part and it's a part you will see somewhere in an application, it needs to be nice. Uh, I don't speak only about color, but I also speak about the surface roughness, um, the whole appearance of a part. So that is something else which needs to be considered once uh, you design the material. And how does a filament provider maintain the precise specs? 
from a formulation across a line, across multiple diameters, and over time. Once you have the team that have solved, here is the right formulation to use. How do you maintain it and suit it to all these potential ways of sharing it? That's a very important point also. So the filament manufacturer is also key to the quality. He has to process the material, so the compound, according to its needs. So means the right temperature profile, right pressures. And also he has to make sure that the filament itself is solid. There is uh, no voids, no bubbles inside. And that also the tolerances are there in the 3D printing filament, we talk about very small tolerances which are allowed. So we are talking about hundreds of a millimeter, which needs to be achieved also the roundness of a filament. So fortunately, we are here uh, talking and dealing with experienced companies who know exactly what they have to do. Of course, if there's a new material, they have to get used to it. They have to get the right parameter settings, and they have to work on that, but that is their day-to-day business. So the normal cases, they are capable, and it's then always uh, coming out to have a good result. And I didn't include this question, but it's one that's come up a little bit from our customers. They're looking to understand what is the final result that your company usually delivers? Typically, we sell, if you talk about the extrusion technology, 3D printing, we, we have two forms to sell. It's either the granules or the filament. Being a material manufacturer, what we normally supply is just a pellet, a small granule, which is then either used for additive manufacturing for direct additive manufacturing means there's an extrusion with as little extruder you put on a robot or in a device. Um, talking about uh, FFF, that means what you need is a filament. There's two ways we do business in that way. So either we supply our pellets to people doing filament and they sell the filament themselves, or we have uh, a company doing filament for us and we supply filament. But we don't supply all our materials as a filament. We have a certain a limited range ourselves. That's for a certain purpose. We have partners who are specialized in making filaments. So they make the filaments and they make it under our specification. And once they make the filament and they deliver it to us, we then sell these filaments into the market. So now to focus on on what currently is available from your line, what materials do you have currently available to customers in the FFF space? In the FFF, we have the granules, we have the filament, so we talk about much bigger particles or products. And here we have all the freedom for reinforcement, for additives. And here also we have a much bigger range of polymers, so uh, from polypropylene, uh, PET, to polyamides, high-performing, high-temperature-resistant materials like PPS and PEAK and PEI, just to name some of the polymers and materials we have. How do your materials stand out among the many options available for engineers and designers today? Our materials are different because what they offer is, first of all, and that comes with the Ultimaker, you can print in non-heated chambers. In the FFF, the main standard still is machines where you have heated chambers and that we print in a heated environment of maybe 80 degrees, 100, 150, depends on the polymers. The process itself is more complicated and is also more expensive, also because of the machines which are more expensive. Yeah, our materials can be printed in the unheated chambers and they come without any warpage. Well, that is very important. If you print a part, you don't want to have a warp part. You like to have the flat part. You need to have the right dimensions. And what you need to have is the good strength in the part. What we did is we optimized the material. So once you print the part, it is strong in all directions, so in X and Y, and also in the C, which is the weakest area normally, because that is where you put the layers together. They have to weld together uh, very good, because otherwise you have strength issues in these areas. 
in previous articles and statements uh, from your company, there's uh, often discussed functional additives. I was wondering if you'd be willing to define functional additives to give us, in your own words, what is this class of things that you're you're adding? And and if you're also willing, what are the other types of additives and what, what do they achieve that's useful? Well, if you talk about compounds, what you need is polymers, you need reinforcements and additives. So the polymer, that's the plain polymer we are starting with. Then we have our application. So the customer tells us about the requirements and that means that the material has to fulfill certain requirements. We add into the polymer certain additives, like um, additives that make it possible to process the material in the best possible way. In our case, 3D printing, to make sure that the 3D printing process runs smoothly, the part gets very, very good and quality is achieved. So additives can have functional uh, reasons. So like we add lubricants to achieve a better friction behavior of a material that is for tribological needs, parts like bearings, bushings, gear wheels. Many of the materials used in that area, they are modified in the way that you have long lasting parts. So you have no wear, just as an example. And for that, it's good to have an incorporated lubrication of uh, the material. Reinforcements uh, is also a kind of additive that's, for example, glass fibers, carbon fibers. You need these uh, materials, these fibers, to make the material more stiff and more strong, and also to make them better temperature resistant, just to name some of the properties. There's one follow-up question to that. How does uh, a compounder find the right solution of additives to balance the need for processing success and for final properties for the printed parts? At least from outside, it seems like that's a real challenge. And we would love some insights into the mind of the polymer company. So how do we do that? What we do is, based on a lot of experience we have for more than now 40 years, We know a lot of applications, markets, industries, so we know what customers are expecting once they talk about a certain application. Then we know uh, a lot about polymers and uh, these additives we talked about and reinforcement. So we know how to combine them and uh, if we need to achieve a certain property, what we need to put in there. So that's based on experience and also on the input of the customer. We have a lot of procedures here in in the company we have to follow. And following these procedures, make sure we achieve exactly what we are looking for. And of course, once we have developed the recipe, we then go into the development, the actual development, including making a first volume of the material, a first amount of material, and then going into the testing. Testing of the properties, so mechanical testing as an example, but also we go into 3D printing testing. So we have our printers here in our 3D printing lab, so we check what we have achieved before we deliver anything to our customers. Would you be able to share a little bit about the, the, the types of tests you do to make sure there will be 3D printing success? First, we have to have a, a filament. So we either can do that on our lab filament extruder, or we have somebody making the filament for us, and then we have the filament, which we then can put on the printer. First, what we do is we print some Sample parts, in the Ultimaker case, there is that well-known test part which we print and with that part we can see how the print performs, how the material performs. And additionally, what we do is we print test bars. So test bars we print in all directions, X, Y, Z direction, and these test bars are then checked uh, for mechanical properties like tensile strength, E-modulus means stiffness, and impact strengths. And then we can really rate a lot that material and we can see if we have achieved what we are striving for. 
Um, I would imagine that some of the properties for the, the custom material orders are extremely specific. Do you sometimes need to compromise one thing or the other? That's very good point, Matt. So um, developing materials, it's also something about making compromises sometimes because Having material which is the best in everything, I would say, it's not very often possible. So having very tough material and very stiff material, just as an example, uh, in many cases, it's not possible in all extent. Yeah, um, another one is maybe just now uh, without any priority is having carbon fiber reinforced materials in colors. This is also something which is not possible in most of the cases. One more is maybe if people look for very high strength and stiffness and a high content of fiber can mean that the surface is not at the same you have with unreinforced materials because unreinforced normally typically gives you the, the best possible surface quality. But we can balance that as well um, uh, with the, the right recipe. We can balance between the mechanical properties and also the uh, appearance uh, surface quality. Of course, also the part performance is depending not only on uh, material properties, but also on the processing, means the printing. So you can influence a lot by adjusting printing parameters. Of course, with the Ultimaker, you, what you have is a printing profile, which helps a lot to start. And maybe for a lot of parts, this is already perfect. But for some other parts where you need the best performance you can achieve, uh, it will be necessary to even further optimize according to the parts, part shape, part design and everything. That's something where, and that's the same in injection molding world, just to benchmark where you really then need to optimize together with the machine and the material and the parameters to achieve really the best what is possible. What we deliver is not only a material, but we also deliver help and advice with our materials. And that includes, of course, data sheets, material data sheets, safety data sheets and also processing guidelines. These processing guidelines will help to make the filaments needed for the 3D printing but also for the actual printing process. And also as mentioned we are also supporting the machine manufacturer Ultimaker to set up the right printing parameters so that these are the basic printer settings. So we are involved in that process as well. We cross-check and do parallel that development then we are having a mutual agreement on the best possible parameters. And if the customer is working on a specific part, there's always the possibility that we support for that specific project and also do, if needed, a parallel development, parallel testing, giving advice. So many things are really possible, especially needed in the part of professional uh, serial applications. In 3D printing, there's still a lot of learning. So what we see is that people are looking for certain performance of the part, of course, and very often benchmark is injection molding. So what the customers tell us uh, once they come to us, look, I have that part, I want to make it by 3D printing. I know from my former technology I used that this part can achieve the following. So what we do is we analyze the part in kinds of design, structure, and then, of course, printer setting, but also to choose the right material. Uh, we can do some help in simulation and analyzing part and properties. And then it's also about exchanging experience from our injection molding experience, but also from our 3D printing experience. So we have colleagues here who have more than 10 years experience in 3D printing, so they know exactly what they are talking about. And I think that is maybe the, the most important point, to have people who know the details and how to adjust the machine, the materials, and also about applications and the markets. Once we started with our FFF material, uh, what was um, available mostly were these prototyping materials based on PLA, 
ABS, PETG. These are easy to process materials, but not really technical materials. Customers were looking for technical polymers or materials based on technical polymers like uh, polyamides, like uh, PET, uh, and up to high temperature resistant materials. And the challenge is that these materials, to print them, is not that easy uh, because you will see warping issue, you will see delamination, uh, low, so means low strengths of the layers. That was the first we had to solve. We worked on how to print these materials and that's what we have managed. So now what we have is a portfolio, a product range, which is more than 30 different materials and more to come, also customized materials, who then really, based on these technical materials, that are used a lot in the industry already, we can now start to work on these industrial challenging applications. So that's what we did. This is Matt Griffin, host of Talking Additive, Ultimaker's 3D printing podcast. Through interviews with top innovators, partners, and allies, this series offers a chance to learn from those who have experienced firsthand the impact of additive manufacturing. Let's keep this conversation going, just like the 3D printing labs all across the world that have remained open and fully operational during these complicated times. Enjoy our show? We'd appreciate it if you'd post a review to Apple Podcasts or wherever you prefer listening. Thank you. Loyal listeners who heard our episode two heard our first Material Science School segment, exploring some of the core terms for polymer science with Danielle. Today, Thomas takes us back to school again. Don't worry, no dusty textbooks nor organic chemistry. He is offering a rapid-fire review of a few of the key material properties that Lavos Group has targeted with their 3D printing filaments. If you would explain a bit more about the Lavos processes in order to make materials ESD safe. That is exactly what we talked about, making materials specifically to certain needs. And one need in the industry is the ESD or electrostatic discharge to avoid sparks developed by just hitting a part. So it's really to get rid of any static charge. So what we do is we modify the polymer with special additives. So that just as an example could be carbon fiber and other conductive additives we put into the material. So we make the material conductive in a certain way. We reduce the resistivity of a polymer, which normally is insulating. So that's a benefit normally of plastics. They are insulating. So that's how you can have, let's say, uh, sockets, just as an example, made out of polymers. So once you touch them, there's not a risk you get harmed. Uh, If you want to have the opposite, so conductive, you need to add additives. And that's what we are doing. And depending on the type of additives and the type of content or type of volume you put in there, you get different conductivity levels. And ESD is where you are in the antistatic, which is typically in the area of 10 times 7, 10 times 8, 9 ohms. So let's say still not really conductive, but already enough for getting rid of the static charge. With the different materials we do have, our Luvocom 3F PET carbon fiber or our Luvocom 3F PAHT, so that is a high temperature resistant polyamide or nylon that is also with carbon fiber. These are mainly made for being strong and stiff materials, but at the same time they also are conductive. So these are materials which then provide ESD properties. But I have to say, this is depending on how you print the material. That's like always uh, what you need to do is at the end, once you printed the part, you need to check about the conductivity you have achieved because there's inherent property of the material, but at the end, it also depends on the printing conditions. So this is a little bit more, uh, how to say, advanced uh, of a property. 
We test uh, the physical properties, mechanical properties, thermal properties, and also electrical properties. So the conductive materials, what we measure is the resistance the material does have. And uh, that is measured on an injection molded sample, uh, but you also can measure it on a 3D printed sample. And you will find a difference because of the different orientation of fillers and molecules and so on. So that's why I said also, depending on your printing parameters, you may have a different result. So that's why it's important to really look into the details. And with the standard settings on the Ultimaker, you will have a good part, uh, but that will also provide a certain performance in uh, means of conductivity. And you may check and maybe find out if that is sufficient for you or if you may need to adapt. So means you could maybe tweak on the surface appearance, which then also will have influence on the conductivity. So this topic is not that easy. It's not a piece of cake, but <laughs> it's also not rocket science. Uh, so typical markets are um, just as examples electronic market so everywhere where you have uh, just as an example also here production sites for semiconductors so companies making parts for electronic devices in the production lines they need to be safe with anti-static charge or they need to avoid this so all parts so like jigs and fixtures they need to be ESD safe business machines so like uh, copy machines sometimes also phones. There are areas where you need to have ESD safe materials. Then talking about parts in certain environments, like in labs. So also here, maybe housings or also jigs and fixtures used in labs. They need to be ESD safe in case you have chemicals, solvents with you. You need to make sure that you have uh, antistatic performance of your parts. Yeah, and just to name some. So there are really quite some applications where ESD is a topic. High stiffness. When you have a characterized material that has high stiffness versus high strength, how do these properties differ? And what are the means of obtaining those properties? Mm-hmm. The stiffness is the ability to bend the part. So if you can bend the part easily, you could say that the stiffness is low. If the part is very stiff, so you can't bend it, then it's high stiffness. So you have a beam, let's say in a house for the roof, and you have high stiffness, then um, let's say the thickness of uh, that beam doesn't need to be that much because if the material you're using, or the steel in that case, or the wood, with a high stiffness, we say E-modulus in the values, this is E-modulus, this is as higher the better, the more this part can bear. We make a test bar, which is basically just a long part, which then we pull. What you measure is the stress you need to break the part. And so that is defining a strength of the part. In the unit, it's a megapascal or PSI, which is the value you receive after the testing. So as higher, the value here as stronger a material is. So what is an example of a material that you offer that offers high stiffness? All the materials which are reinforced, in our case uh, with the carbon fibers, our PET, the 9780, or the polyamide HT, which is the uh, 9891. These are strong and stiff materials because they are reinforced with carbon fibers. Excellent. Difference between impact resistance versus wear resistance. There's a big difference because they don't have they have nothing in common because it's uh, they're different horses. Impact resistance that is mainly how a material can resist to an impact. What is a good example? You have a part you, uh, which is dropping, uh, and then it, it maybe from a height of two meters it falls down, and if it's not breaking, it has a good impact resistance. So wear resistance is everything which is related to that's a tribological property. So you have some something like a bearing and you don't want that the material is wearing because otherwise the bearing is not there anymore and then there's no function of your part anymore. So uh, that is really completely different properties. 
once we know that impact resistance is important, then we need to look to the material. First of all, we start with the base polymer. If we then have to have a certain polymer, which itself is impact resistant, and then we need to look into the reinforcement and additives. Because if you have a very high degree of fillers, then normally a material maybe is not impact resistant anymore because then it's a very stiff material. And very stiff materials, most of the cases are not really impact resistant anymore. So that's what we do. That's our job. We have to balance the properties of a material. And wear resistant, that is where we maybe need to add certain additives which make the material more wear resistant. That's very helpful. Shifting to uh, chemical resistance. Yeah, there are, of course, a lot of chemicals. There's an endless list of ingredients and of chemicals maybe in contact with 3D printed parts and materials. So there are acids, there are alkalized solvents, oils, cleaners, others, even food, which is containing a lot of chemicals, can attack materials. So you have to be careful about what to have, which kind of materials in contact. So it's an important area to be regarded. You mentioned food and beverage. What are some other vertical markets that target chemical resistance? Oh, almost all markets. It's um, automotive, machine industry, medical, E&E, which is electronics and electric, aerospace and consumer. So literally all applications. There are some chemical questions involved, if you want to say so. What liquids and solids does your material naturally have to be resistant to for you to, to claim this? Like you mentioned, the huge range of potential materials. Do you have a set uh, group of them that you typically describe in your technical data sheets? We don't, let's say, have that in uh, in the data sheet because this is inherent in the polymer. So also here, what you need to do is to regard our recommendation of the polymers which are usable for that application. To name some of the materials or liquids, cleaning agents, oils, lubricants, paints, leggers, and so on, they all contain chemicals which can attack materials like plastics. Excellent. Now, moving to temperature resistance, was wondering uh, both how you offer temperature resistance and also in terms of the processing temperature. The FFF tools that we offer do have a limited range in temperature, really pretty much up to 300 Celsius. How can you, within that range, offer material that offers more temperature resistance than a typical thermoplastic? Maybe to explain it in in this way. So we have two things here. We have processing temperature. So this is the temperature you need to melt the material to be able to be 3D printed. So that is something you may be interested and it's important also, but that has, let's say, only a little bit to do with the end use part. The higher the processing temperature, the more also normally the material will be resistant to temperature in in the real application at the end. But uh, what mainly the customer is interested in is the short-term and long-term temperature resistance of a material because, just as an example, a part may be used under the hood in automotive and that the customer needs a temperature resistance of 130 degrees C long-term. And that means the material does not degrade and also the mechanical performance is still there at a certain temperature. So that is what we say is relevant in the means of temperature resistance. So long-term and short-term. Short-term means, okay, maybe there's a temperature peak in the engine, maybe 150, maybe even 180. And also then the material should not melt in that application because otherwise there's no function anymore of the part. That's helpful. So what are certified materials and processes and why are they important? What we have is an approach to have certified materials, I would call it even certified process or technology, because certification is not only about our materials and the filament, it's about also the machine involved. So we, with our filament materials, we run a certification process with the TÜV suit here in Germany, together with Ultimaker, and also this includes the filament making. 
So to make sure the uh, materials have a constant quality, the filament come with a reliable quality and the machines are providing repeatable part quality with these materials. So again, the customer needs to have the security that the parts he is receiving maybe even coming from different locations, they are at the same quality level. And for that, we need to have this quality assurance for our customers, which is based on their certification process. Thomas and I also took some time to talk about the future of additive manufacturing to get his take on where this field is going. I would love to hear more about what your group thinks is possible to achieve with polymers. So I think that some of our listeners are aware uh, that you can do a lot with polymers, but others are, are still learning this. They still have assumptions in manufacturing and engineering companies that some of these properties are only possible with metal. would love to update them with some of the possibilities. Today there's a big range of polymers with all kinds of performances. Polymers that are very tough, temperature and chemical resistant, or that have good wear resistance. With the right modification, materials can be improved even further and customized for certain applications as housings, bearings, gear wheels, and many more. Modern thermoplastic polymer compounds can survive harsh environments, like in the automotive under the hood applications, and withstand continuously temperatures up to 300 degrees Celsius, which is about 570 degrees Fahrenheit. And at the same time, they are resistant to agents like oil and fuel. They also can bear high pressures and velocities in bushings for thousands of hours. Uh, Over the last 40 years, we have developed thousands of such materials and they are used in many industries as automotive, machinery and medical. Traditionally, parts are made by injection molding. Now we have 3D printing as a further technology and we modify the material so they can be used in this technology. I think that's that's very helpful. Where do you imagine that FFF technology might be able to go in the next five years? What are some things that are exciting to your company about investing time and energy into the FFF space? We think and we are convinced that 3D printing and specifically FFF with all these materials already available and all the materials that will come, we will uh, move much more into the serial production in industrial applications. At the moment, it's still about that customers, processors need to gain more experience. They are still in the testing phase but there are already more and more applications coming and we are working together with our customers a lot. The good thing is also that the printers are improving more and more. They're becoming more professional and so also the the printing process in combination machine, material, printer, setup, parameters are more and more standardized to make sure there's a reliable process which is very important, especially for the industry, because they are keen on uh, specified quality-approved parts. That's absolutely a must we need to achieve. So your company has a long experience in injection molding. What are some things that the 3D printing industry might learn from the process that the injection molding industry went through to professionalize and and find these solutions and raise the level of expertise? There is maybe not a big difference nowadays anymore between 3D printing and injection molding because also in injection molding still there are challenges. So every new part is a new challenge. So you have to develop the part, you have to make it, you have to inject it, and then you have to go through all the testing and uh, quality assurance. The same goes with 3D printing. The benefit of injection molding is that this industry is already more than 60 years old, so there's more experience, there is more trust. In the 3D printing, the the key is that also people need to develop the experience and trust 
thank you again for spending so much time and I really do appreciate your generosity. Oh, thank you very much. It was very exciting and looking forward to uh, what is coming and uh, let's speak again. We hope that you have enjoyed our fifth episode for the Talking Additive podcast featuring Thomas Collett from the Lavos Group, a great place to learn more about the Lavos Group's 3D printing materials would be to visit the Lavos section of the Ultimaker Material Marketplace at ultimaker.com or within Cura. This resource links out to the various excellent Lavos resources at luvocom.de and other dedicated Lavos Group sites. In two weeks, we return with episode six, which will feature Captain Brad Baker, Makerspace Lab Director of the U.S. Naval Academy. We explore these topics and more on Talking Additive. Enjoy our show? Subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, and we'd appreciate it if you could post a review to Apple Podcasts or wherever you prefer listening. Join the conversation about additive manufacturing by subscribing today at TalkingAdditive.com. Thanks again to Thomas Collett and the Lavos Group Additive Manufacturing Team for joining us for this episode. Thanks also to series producer Hanna Takini, studio manager David Roberson, executive producer Nuno Campos, and a thank you to Brian Scary and Giulio Carmasi of Hummingbird's Custom Music and Sound for the music and episode sound mix. I am host and producer Matt Griffin, and thank you again to our listeners. On Talking Additive, we hold conversations with colleagues and customers about 3D printing's impact on business.